The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 8, for our text reading today. The Gospel of Mark, chapter number 8, for our text reading here this morning. Well, I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas time with friends and family. And uh, how many of you got enough to eat this last week, all right? And uh, uh, maybe some of us preparing for uh, what we've got ahead. But uh, let me just commend you for being here. It's hard to believe that this is the last Sunday, Lord's Day, in the, mu- in the year 2014. It's amazing how quickly a year can just fly by, isn't it? It's just unbelievable. And uh, let me just commend you for being here in church on this final Sunday of 2014 and looking forward to what God has in store for us in the year 2015. Uh, two weeks from this morning, just as a little commercial, uh, will be our Vision Sunday and uh, 2015 Vision. You won't want to miss that particular service. We're going to be giving out a church calendar along with other resources. It's really where, as a pastor, I share my heart on what I believe the Lord has for us in the coming year. And I, I'm just going to tell you right now, uh, God is opening up some incredible doors of opportunity for us as a church family. And I want to share those things with you. So that's two weeks from today, January 11th, it'll be at 10.30, and I hope many of you will be, a, be able to be a part of that very special service here that we uh, annually just refer to as our vision service, all right? So we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, with Christmas in the air, I, I was kind of uh, messing around a little bit, and I asked somebody what, the, what they, what they uh, got for Christmas, and, and this is what I got in reply. I'll, I'll throw it up here on the screens real quick. They said, uh, fat. I got fat. And uh, any of you ever feel like that? That's, you know, kind of like the, kind of the way it works out, you know? And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully none of you got that for Christmas, all right? And uh, you guys were able to uh, just kind of enjoy yourselves with family. It's always a blessing. Well, I'm looking forward to this morning. Uh, we're not in any particular series uh, right now. We've just got a couple of weeks. And then starting uh, the middle of January, we're going to embark on a new series, verse by verse, through the book of Ephesians. And so been praying about this, preparing about this for several months now, and so that'll begin here coming up the middle of January, but between now and then, between vision service and today, uh, just going to share a few things that the Lord's placed on my heart. Uh, By no means will these be the deepest sermons you've ever heard, but just ones that I hope will be an encouragement and a blessing to you as we just move through uh, the latter parts of this year and early into next year. So inside your service program, there should be an outline that you can use to follow along here through the message. If you are physically able, I'd like to invite you here to stand uh, as we read from God's Word, the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 8. Uh, You're going to find that the words we read are in red, uh, meaning that these are the literal words of Jesus Christ, and so we're going to get his heartbeat here. And uh, how many of you notice as you read the words of Jesus, some of the things he says are quite radical in nature? Have you noticed this? Uh, Jesus wasn't one for mincing words. He really got right to the point. And so today I want to focus on these few verses, the Gospel of Mark chapter number 8, and we'll begin reading here in verse number 34 and down through verse number 35. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark chapter number 8 and verse 34, And when Jesus had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. 
For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. This morning, I simply want to preach a simple message entitled, Follow God. Follow God. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the Christmas season, Lord, that we were able to experience with family and friends, the opportunity that we had to make memories, to reflect on the incarnation of God, the fact that you became flesh and dwelt among us. Lord, and I pray that it, that reality would not just be something that we think about during this time of year, but that this reality that God put on flesh, Lord, would, would literally be something that goes with us, Lord, all throughout the year. May we never take for granted the fact uh, that you became as one of us, Lord, that you uh, went through what we have been through, that you were in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. And Lord, I pray that we would follow in your footsteps, that the pattern, Lord, that you gave us would be one that we, by your spirit and by your grace, Lord, would be able to emulate in our daily lives. I pray that you would bless, Lord, our time together in a way that only you can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. I've said several times before, but I want to reiterate it again this morning as way of the kind of the theme for this particular service, and that is simply this. It's been said that Jesus is present in the heart of every Christian, prominent in the heart of some, and preeminent in the heart of very few. And while Christ is prominent in many Christians' lives, it's been my prayer, and I believe the prayer of our leadership here at Ambassador Baptist Church, that our individual members and attenders would be marked by the fact that Christ is not just prominent in their life, he does not just hold a big place in their life, but that Jesus truly is totally preeminent in their lives. And that's kind of what we're going to look at today as we focus on this passage of following God. According to this passage, the idea of following God is a concept that has two sides, much like a coin has two sides to it, the concept of following God, according to this passage, also has two different sides. And so we're going to look at each one of these sides here this morning. Let's begin in verse number 34 for the first side of this coin when it comes to following God. Notice what the Bible says, Jesus in his own words, whosoever will come after me. It's it's almost as if God says here, if you're going to follow me, it's as if Christ is saying, hey, if you're going to follow me, then here's what you got to do first, all right? And I I believe every one of us in this room would raise our hands and say, I want to be a follower of God. I I truly do want to be a follower of Christ. And and Jesus here is saying, okay, great, that's wonderful. If you're going to be my follower, here's, I want to give you something first. Notice this. Whosoever will Come after me, let him, notice these two words, deny himself. Which brings us here to our first thought this morning, and that is simply this. If we're going to follow God, we need to first deny ourselves. In the 21st century America, this is not a reality that we get all excited about. Uh, In fact, uh, much of society today would tell you quite the opposite. If it feels good, do it. You know, your way, right away, now. 
And so this idea of denying yourself, this idea of sacrificing what you would desire, sacrificing what you would want, sacrificing your agenda, sacrificing your dreams, your future, it doesn't jive well in 21st century America. And yet here's what Jesus is saying. You want to follow me? You want to be a disciple of mine? You want to be a follower of me? Here's here's where it's got to begin. It's got to begin by denying yourself. Now, this is exactly what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed everything on our behalf. Think about the reality that God left the throne rooms of heaven. He left the glories of eternity. Why? So that he could come to this earth to take and be as one of us so that we too could experience salvation made possible by his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I'll simply say this, God never asks us to do anything that Jesus has not already done for us. Denying ourselves. See, the reality is if we're going to follow Christ, there are going to be times where his grace leads us to deny our desires. If we're truly going to follow Christ, then his grace is going to deny us at times. His grace is going to give us the strength to deny maybe what we would desire or what we would want. And in order to fully follow Christ, it takes a Christian who's willing to surrender, yield to the Spirit of God and say, I'm willing to deny my preference. I'm willing to deny here my agenda. I'm willing to deny what I want. Why? So that I can further follow Christ. Several years back, I saw an illustration. I thought it illustrated it well. I've got a, I've got a $1 bill here, not a whole lot. And we talk about yielding to God, we talk about surrendering, and I I think sometimes in my own life, and and maybe you're this way as well, it's easy for us to maybe come to a place and we say, well, to fully deny myself, to fully yield and surrender to Christ, to be a a sold out follower of Him, that, that, that seems a little bit uncomfortable. And so in essence, what we do is we take our life, we take the worth of our lives, and in essence, we do something like this, well... Um, I'll give God a part. I'll give God a piece. I'll deny some area of my life. After all, God, God should be thankful. I've never denied this much of myself before. I've never surrendered this much to him before. I, I've never done that before. I've never been there before. And so we, in essence, we'll do something like that. Demetri, here, here you go, right here. You can have it right there. Aren't you thankful? I gave you a dollar, didn't I? <laughs> 50 cents, he says. <laughs> Here's the reality. If, if, if Demetri were to take that to the bank, would they give him 50 cents for that? Mm-mm. Because in essence, I might have just broken the law right here. I didn't even realize that. I noticed that some of you are shaking your heads. What? I will tape it back together. We will make this right. See, sometimes as Christians, we're thinking, I denied half of myself. I surrendered 50 per- God, but I, I've never done this before. I've never surrendered this much. I've never yielded this much. And so we, we give it to God like somehow he should be super thankful that, that we did what we just did. But as Dimitri reminded, the rea- reality is this. What we gave to God, in essence, is, is worth Nothing. See, when it, when it comes to surrender, there really isn't a halfway mark. You're either surrendered or you're not. 
And, and as human beings, we like to play the game. And, and we fool people around us pretty well. Like, we can fool our parents, and we can fool our pastors, and we can fool our friends. And like, look, I, I'm more surrendered than I was. The, they're, they're, either your heart is denying itself, or you're living for the flesh. I mean, there's really, there's not a middle ground. And here's what's sad about it. A person who says, well, I'm surrendering this, I'm denying this, I'm yielding this to God, and I, I'm going to keep this part. Here, here, here's what's crazy. What is this part worth that I kept? Some of the most miserable people I know are Christians who start to play the halvesies game. I'll deny this, but I don't know about that. I'll surrender here, but I don't know about that. And here's what they're left with. They, 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 they live under the illusion that they were able to hold on to something. They live under the illusion that they were able to hold on to something of value. And in reality, what they end up with is they haven't given anything to God, but they've also not kept anything for themselves. And they're miserable. Miserable. Some of the most miserable people I know are Christians who are trying to straddle the fence. They're unhappy. They're miserable. They can't figure out why life's not working. And it's because they've not come to a place like the songwriter said so long ago, I surrender all. You see, if we're going to follow after him, it takes denying ourselves, denying our desires, denying our flesh. Before we can ever talk about following him, before it ever following a pattern after what he has, the reality is we've got to come to a place of complete surrender where we say, God... You can have it all. It's yours. Because by trying to play the game, surrender a part, yield a part, deny some, not this, in essence, we give God nothing and we keep nothing for ourselves. And the most miserable person in the world is this Christian who's just wanting to try to manipulate and navigate their way through life and in reality never surrendering fully and completely to Christ. Jesus knows that there are aspects of the Christian life that are difficult in the flesh. They're difficult, which is why he reminds us that it can't be done in and of ourselves. Notice this, deny. Deny. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Notice the next phrase, and take up his cross. The reality is this, the cross was a symbol of pain. It was a symbol of sacrifice. And so here Jesus comes along and says, you want to follow me. You want to be one of my disciples. Going into the year 2015, I, I, want, to, I want to really follow God. I want to follow Christ, but I want, to, I want to hold on to this and I want to kind of focus on that. And, and God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take up something. I want you to take up your cross. What cross is it that God is wanting you to take up right now? What is God wanting you to deny right now? Now, I understand you can't do this on your own. This is, going to take a, this is going to take the Spirit of God and His grace and His strength working in you and through you to accomplish what you can't accomplish on your own. But as you're going into the year 2015, what is it that God's Spirit is calling you to leave behind in the year 2014 to deny? See, as Christian, no, God wants me to be happy. He wants me to be healthy and wealthy and wild. This is what God wants. Yes, God wants, God wants to give you some things, but some of us, are so, our, our arms are so full bringing baggage into our future, we, can't, we're, we don't have hands to receive what God has for, for us here and now. 
What is it that God wants you to deny? What is it that he wants you to leave in the year 2014 as you move into the year 2014? What is it time just to say, I deny it? I'm sacrificing. What is it for you? What is it the Spirit of God is saying that it is time for you to sacrifice this? To deny. To leave behind. As we move into the coming year. See, here's the reality. I'm not God and I don't know what it is for you. But if we're going to be followers of Christ, if Ambassador Baptist Church is going to be a place that continues to follow God, we can't pretend we follow him and then hold on to everything we desire and everything we want. Because the very nature of following God dictates that there are some things we left to let go of. And maybe for some of it, it's patterns of thinking. For others, it might be habits. For others, it might be relationships. For some of us, it might be something we value, something we deem as being important. For others, it might be a motive. For others, it might be a material possession. For some of us, it might be a dream. For some of us, it might be an addiction. The, 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 it's it's a, a wide span of what it might be that the Spirit of God is calling you to yield, to surrender, to deny, to set down in the year 2014 so as you follow God in the year 2015, you're not cumbered about you're able to lay aside those weight and those sins that, that so easily beset us. Deny. Let's keep moving here. Notice the end of this verse. Whosoever will come after me, first let him deny himself, take up his cross. This is gonna, it's not easy. This is not going to be fun. And follow me. Which leads us to our second thought. Not only if we're going to be the disciples God wants us to be, if we're going to be the church God wants us to be, not only do we have to come to a place where we're willing to deny, where we're willing to yield and sacrifice. Number two, we must commit to following God. One of the wonderful things about following God is that you get to be with him. As you follow his spirit, as you allow his grace to work, the Bible says in Psalm 16, verse 11, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Wonderful thing about following God is you get to be with him. You get to be in his presence of joy, in the presence of his peace, because in his presence is fullness of joy. Someone once said it this way, a fulfilling life is found in fully following God. Let me say this again. A fulfilling life, it's not found in pursuing your dreams. It's not found in living out your agenda. It's not found in fulfilling your desire for pleasure. The fulfilling life is found in fully following God, in completely surrendering to Him, in denying yourself and taking up your cross and following after Him. Notice this phrase in verse 35. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Jesus is saying, those of you who are running around and you're trying to keep back portions of your life, you've got these uh, things that you want to hold on to and, and these relationships and, and these habits and, and, and these thought processes and these values that you want to bring with you into the coming year, you're going to save it. You're going to keep it. You're going to hoard it. You're going to hold on to it. And Jesus says here, that, that person who, who tries to save their life, here's what Jesus says, you're going to lose it. He says, I'm going to allow you to hold on to what you're holding on to. But the cost is going to be terribly high. 
Because that which I want to pour into your life, that which I want to put into your grasp, there won't be room for. And so he says, those of you who who try to save your life, savor it, try to get out of it what you want out of it and its pleasures and its agenda and its dreams. He says, you're, you're going to try to save your life. And Jesus says, here's, here's what's crazy, is you're going to be the one who loses. You're going to get to the end of your life and you're going to be breathing your last breath and your heart's going to be beating its last beat. And you're going to, for, for those final moments, you're going to be reminded that in all of your attempts to save what you wanted to hold on to and what you wanted to do, in essence, what you did is you lost. You lost. Notice what he goes on to say. But whosoever shall lose his life. Jesus is saying here, I've got, a, I've got a way of thinking that's totally opposite. I've got a way of thinking that's entirely backwards. And he's literally saying here, I want you to lose. I want you to give up. I want you to yield. I want you to surrender what you think is most important, what you desire most, what you want most, that, that thing in you that you just have to have if you're going to be happy and you just have to have if you're going to feel complete and you have to have if you're going to be satisfied and God says, I want you to sacrifice it. I want you to lose. In fact, Jesus says the only hope that you have of winning is losing. Lose. Let loose of that dream. If it's of God, it'll come back. And if it's not, it was never meant for you in the first place. Let loose of that thing that God's Spirit is letting you, is calling you to to release. Lose. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. The only way to win as a disciple of Jesus Christ is to yield, is to surrender, is to give up. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus came. He gave up his his home in eternity. Why? He came down to this earth to become as a man. He sacrificed. He gave up. He lost so that we might win. And the only way we win is by following in the feet of our master and say, I'm holding the things of this earth very lightly. God, you give and you take away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm yielding it. I'm surrendering it. I'm offering it. I'm giving it to you to lose it. Now, notice this little phrase here, and we're going to wrap this up because I want to get practical here for just a moment. It says, whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. So how do we live for the sake of the gospel? What does that even mean? Because sometimes we get into this phrase gospel and it can be a loaded term that oftentimes we signify to just one aspect of our Christian reality. We tend to look at the gospel as simply something we need for salvation, something we simply need for justification. And while that is a major part of what the gospel does is is provide, it's the good news that gives us salvation. It's the good news that gives us justification. It's how we are redeemed. It's how we are saved is 
through the gospel, what we've learned is that the gospel is not just for the moment of salvation, but it is also for sanctification. It is also for spiritual maturity. And so here we see, hey, he that will live his life for the sake of the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the good news. It's literally what gospel means, good news. What good news? That even though we're sinners, completely broken and messed up sinners, Sinners who could do nothing for ourselves other than surrender and yield our brokenness to God. That is what you have to offer. You say, well, I'm pretty talented. I'm pretty awesome. I'm pretty sharp. Here's what you have to offer. You can offer God one thing, your brokenness. Your messiness and your sin. That's what you can give to God. God is not interested in your morality. In fact, the Bible says the best that you have to offer is this filthy rags before God. He wants your brokenness. He wants your weakness. He wants your sin and your pain surrendered and yielded and sacrificed to him so that his spirit, his life, the life of Christ can live in and live through to do what you in your flesh could never do on your own. The last thing we need is another Christian in their self-righteous kind of manner trying to live out the Christian life in their own ability. What we need are Christians who are broken, Christians who understand that all they can give God is their brokenness and that if God doesn't do something in them and God doesn't do something through them then there's no hope it's all him I love how Colossians put it when Christ who is your life he is our life he can do what we can't do see the gospel is the good news that even though we are sinners and that there's, though there's nothing we can do for ourselves other than surrender and yield our brokenness to God, still Jesus sacrificed everything to give us what we need for life and godliness according to Second Peter chapter number one. That's the good news that we couldn't, we were broken, we were sinners, we couldn't do anything but offer and yield and surrender that brokenness to God and yet God still loved and cared enough to sacrifice everything so that we could have what we need to live a life of godliness and a life of fulfillment. So let me give you a couple of thoughts here, practically. How do we live for the sake of the gospel? First of all, pray and ask God to enlighten you to your need for the gospel every day. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you're done being broken. If you have an idea that the gospel is like this one, I needed it for this one moment. I needed the good news that I was a sinner and that Jesus was my only hope and it's his death, burial, and resurrection. And that, that's the, and then like the gospel is like a, a trophy you put on the mantle of your life because look, I, I've been saved one time. Here's the deal. The reality is Paul taught again and again and again while the gospel does its primary work in our justification at salvation, the gospel's power, what Jesus did on the cross, our sin, brokenness, needing Christ to do a work in us and through us that we couldn't do on our own. That gospel work continues in our spiritual maturity day in and day out. Oh, pray and ask God to enlighten you to your need for the gospel every day. You need good news tomorrow, just like you needed that good news the day you were saved. The good news that you're broken. That all you can do is offer your brokenness to God today. And even though you don't deserve it, Jesus can do by his grace what you can't do in your flesh. 
psalmist said, open thou mine eyes. I need to see this. We've said it this way, if you want to take a quick outline. The gospel 101 is simply this. Jesus, he's the person of the gospel. There is no other name under heaven whereby you must be saved. Jesus is the person of the gospel. He's the way we get saved. He's also the way we get sanctified and spiritually matured. Jesus is the person of the gospel. Number two, grace is the product of the gospel. That's what the gospel gives. Grace. Grace that is not earned. Grace that is not uh, something we can work up. Grace that is given to us as a gift. That grace... Is the product of the gospel. What's the process of the gospel? How do I get this gospel? Grace, faith. Jesus is the person of the gospel. Grace is the product of the gospel. Faith is the process of the gospel. How did you get God's grace for salvation? By faith. How do you get God's grace for sanctification and spiritual maturity? By faith. By faith you have access into this grace according to the book of Romans. You say, what's the purpose of the gospel? So I can get to heaven. So I can be awesome. Now, the purpose of the gospel is the glory of Christ. That is the ultimate purpose of the gospel, is to glorify Jesus Christ. That's when the gospel comes full circle. Jesus, the person of the gospel. Grace, the product of the gospel. Faith, faith the process on how we get the gospels by faith. What's the purpose of it? It's his glory. I'll say secondly today, practically, Commit to time in God's word to deepen your understanding of the gospel. As we move into the year 2015, can I say this? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're going to follow God, we're going to have to follow in his word. Commit to time in God's word to deepen your understanding of the gospel. Um, can I say this? There's a lot of different ways to read the Bible. And, and I'm a firm believer that the lens that you look at the Bible through has massive implications on what you get out of it. There are some people who go to the Bible and they see it as a checklist of something they do each day. And if they can read the Bible once a day, if they, it's almost like a lucky charm in a spiritual religious sense. If I can read my Bible each and every day, then I'm somehow spiritually mature and I, have, uh, I, can, I can take the moral high, higher ground against everybody else who didn't read their Bible this day. Like, like it's some type of lucky rabbit's foot. Like if I do this, then like God owes me. And it's just like this list If I do this and I do that and I do those things, then I'm morally superior to all the people who don't. Okay? That's one perspective. Um, The Bible, Jesus tells us on many occasions that the Bible speaks of me. In fact, we we spent a whole series talking about this, so I won't re-preach it over the last three weeks. But that the law, the prophets, and the Psalms all speak of me. Can Can I remind you of something? The Bible isn't intrinsically about you. Now, this is big because some of you go to your Bible and it, it's like it's all about you. What you're going to get, what you're going to have, what you're going to do, and what you're not going to do. And that's, I, I get that. But first and foremost, the Bible is about God. It's about Jesus Christ. It is more about how Jesus responds to sinners than even the sinner itself. It's about God. God. 